So first we read, we pray, we study, we fast, we're involved in community, we give, we worship, and we build that. And then from that, I think, is kind of where we begin to look at how we engage in culture and different things as well. But that's the foundation we have to come from. Welcome to the In Doubt Podcast. Hey, welcome to the In Doubt Podcast. My name is Isaac, your host. We're in a series right now called Christ and Culture. Uh, We're kind of looking at the question, how to engage culture as a Christian? You know, so how does knowing Christ affect the way we know culture? And by culture, I'm talking about movies, I'm talking about music, I'm talking about video games, social media, etc. So in this series, we're we're really looking at the way in which we participate, take part in these things. Uh, Last week on the show, I had a conversation with uh, Drew Dixon from GameChurch.com. He was able to speak into how Christians should view and engage video games. Uh, It's a rising art form, and the church has kind of generally been a little bit silent on it. Uh, It was a great conversation, so make sure you go and check that out. You can find that in doubt.ca slash podcasts or your podcast app on your smartphone. Today on the show, I get to chat with Brett Ullman. He's an author and speaker based out of Ontario. I had the privilege to connect with him and chat with him about media, faith, and culture. The facts, the research, study that this guy has is incredible about the music industry and other things. It's very interesting. And he also just brings in a great Christian perspective in social and entertainment media. So here's a conversation with Brett Ullman. Hey, I'm on Skype today with Brett Ullman. Brett's a speaker, he's an author, tackles issues like sexuality, uh, mental health, dating, media. He also leads and directs a Canadian charity called Worlds Apart. I actually met Brett at Breakforth just in Edmonton this past January. We were speaking actually side by side in two different classrooms and and we connected and now we're here. Hey, Brett, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Why don't you just quickly share a quick kind of little snapshot of who you are and kind of what you do? For sure. As you heard, my name is Brad Allman. I live in a town called Ajax, which no one has a clue where that is. That's about 45 minutes east of the city of Toronto, right on Lake Ontario. Uh, my background's uh, teaching. I was a teacher for a decade in uh, inner city Toronto before leaving that 10 years ago to do this full time. And so I travel full time now uh, doing no- nothing other than speaking, which is an interesting job. Never thought this would be my life. But speaking on issues uh, that I think we've sometimes forgotten to talk about as the church. So as you said, like sex and pornography, mental health, media, things that we sometimes shy away from. I like having the conversation. Henry Cloud always says it's best to enter the danger. And I love that statement, right? Let's lean into it as opposed to leaning away. What have you found when churches ask you to speak? What's the sort of topic that you find is the most that churches are wanting from you? It's an interesting question because it's what do they think they want? And then what do (laughs) do I think they need sometimes are different things. Um, I find... The largest one I speak on is my talk called The Walking Wounded, which, as we were talking a bit earlier, you know, I struggle with anxiety, a pretty severe anxiety disorder, and uh, it's been about four years since my breakdown. I was at home, actually, for a whole year. So for me, that's a huge one. How do we as Christians, what do we do when someone walks up to you and says, I'm struggling with anxiety? How do we have a biblical yet practical, and those things aren't oxymorons, like how do we have a practical approach, and it's not just something that you learned and someone else learned, because that's what I got. I got chaos. And so in that talk, I walk through like body, mind, and soul, right? Go to a doctor and eat healthier and go see a counselor. And our faith is part of that. But we don't know what to do unless you know what's actually going on. So that's probably one of the largest ones. 
But my Media Faith Culture Talk is a broad, broad look at media and how we engage in culture. And so I find that's probably the most spoken talk I do in churches, especially on like a a Sunday morning. It's rare to do a, a pornography talk which I do, by the way, some days, but to do a porn talk or a talk on sex or even mental health is weird on a Sunday. It's very unorthodox, but I've, I have a number of churches that do that as well. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're in a series right now um, called Christ and Culture. Uh, it's a, a series that looks at how Christians are to sort of engage culture, more specifically the social and entertainment media culture. And yeah, today we have Brett Ullman to kind of help us a little bit more in regards to sort of looking at the kind of general idea of engaging culture and media as a Christian. So firstly, the question is this, what kind of biblical principles are young adult Christians or just Christians in general apathetic toward or maybe just find irrelevant in regards to engaging media? The most simplistic stuff is how do we connect our ancient faith with our modern world? You know, when Jesus says, be holy, how do you do that with, with phones and iPads? And what does it mean to be holy playing a video game? Like, it's so hard looking at something that's, you know, an ancient faith that we have thousands of years old and then trying to connect it with modern day technologies and things. So I always say, like, not all media is bad, but not all media is good. And I think, especially when I speak more with teenagers and young adults, sometimes with teens, it's kind of like, we always think everyone's looking at bad television, bad music, bad movies. And it's, it's kind of this anti-teenager. And I'd say the same even for young adults. It's like an anti-young adult culture we have in the church. But the truth is, teenagers, young adults, I'm 44. We're all trying to figure out how to connect these things together. And the best word you said was the word engage, right? It's not we as Christians. I always say, you know, Christianity is a daily strategic intentional pursuit, So we don't blindly accept or reject anything. It has to be thought through, you know, how do we take a biblical worldview that I would say, and then how does a video game be part of that? How do we engage video games? How do we engage things? And I always say to people, if you've never turned off a song, you're not engaging, right? You can say everything's not good and everything's not bad, but if you've never turned something off because of content, then you don't really believe that. Right. So what do we mean when we say we are to engage media? So I always say, like, the idea of engage is a verb. Now, for young adults, we're well past, like, grade 8 language. But, like, the verb is an action word. So I always say, you know, what is the worldview of our media? So what's the worldview of the song or the band or the TV show? And, like, if you think of – there's a guy named uh, Josh McDowell. We've probably heard of him for years. So – and he was at Breakforth where we were as well. Your worldview shapes your values and your values shape your actions. But what I think we do, especially as parents, is is we chase actions and not the worldview. You know, the Bible talks about chasing the heart, you know, and what comes from the heart and the wellspring of the heart. Like, so let's chase the worldview. If we as Christians have biblical worldviews, I think our actions, which is the media, will come from that. So my talk on media is actually called Media, Faith, and Culture. So we do spend 40 minutes looking at music and television and doing some challenge, but the worldview conversations about faith. It's about spiritual disciplines. Right. How do we talk about how do we have a biblical worldview of music when we don't have a biblical worldview? Exactly. So first we read, we pray, we study, we fast, we're involved in community, we give, we worship, and we build that. And then from that, I think, is kind of where we begin to look at how we engage in culture and different things as well. But that's the foundation we have to come from. You know, the Bible talks about like the difference between babies and drinking milk and then 
meet. I think sometimes we're trying to have these rich conversations of, you know, is all nudity uh, pornography or, you know, in movies. But if we're still babies, that's a really hard conversation to have. As opposed to, that's a really great question to have. I got asked that the other day at a university I was speaking at. Like, that's a smart question. Is all nudity in a movie pornography? It was a great question. So I'm just trying to think now that from what you're talking about. If you're maybe a more baby young Christian and you're, you're zealous, you're passionate, how can you sort of try to discover the worldview of a song or of a movie? How, how can you start kind of thinking in that mindset uh, of sort of engaging it in a way where you're trying to figure out the worldview of that? media? Well, I think the first thing to do is to, like, what is the worldview of a song? What does the Bible say and make your response is kind of the end goal. But what does that actually mean? I challenge a lot of people in the question of like, I think we're very hypocritical as people. I ask people every night, so all of a room of students, and I'm like, when you hit play on whatever you're hitting play on, what are you looking for in music? So, so hands go up, hip hop, you know, Someone always says the drop and everyone laughs. I'm like, no, no, forget that. Like, what do you want in it? I don't care the genre. Like, I don't like country, but like, what do you want in it? I don't care if it's country or hip hop or rap or rock. And everyone kind of, you see their head tilt and you see them kind of think. And then they give great answers, which I've never disagreed with. Um, I want stories. I want great stories, which I, I agree. But then the next person says, I just want to be entertained. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's also okay. It's okay just to have this fun song that you know, is poppy and there's nothing really in it, but like, it's just music sometimes. We're just, or if you're going to go play a sport, you actually might want like thicker bass, but if you're writing uh, an exam or an essay, you might want, you know, more instrumental music. I listen to a lot of, it's classified as deep house on my Sirius XM, but it's like mellow dance music. But the disconnect is that I usually put up a few slides of just different bands of the day, whoever, Little Wayne, Beyonce, whatever, right? Modern, modern day pop culture. And I say, but no one ever asks for that. No one's ever said to me, oh, I just love songs like when Beyonce and Jay-Z sing about sex. Not a single person in the half a million people I've asked that have ever said, my favorite thing in the world is that. Like, I'd look at you and say, like, that's creepy on almost every level. Same with Nicki Minaj singing about women dying of starvation in dungeons or Maroon 5 singing their song Animals, which is just weird. And the video is even weirder. My goal is to make people think of, why are you listening to that anyways? And I think as a culture, we just follow pop culture. And we think pop culture is pure, but it's a creation. I mean, there's what, four, maybe five companies that own everything. All the media, all the shows, all the clothing stores, it's all owned by a few companies. And so a lot of it's just kind of marketed to us. You know, I always talk about how, uh, like, the first song you ever heard from Rihanna was a song, Under My Umbrella, many, many years ago. That was the big number one hit. But it, it was written specifically for Britney Spears. And the first two songs you heard from Miley Cyrus were written for Rihanna. It's kind of like there's this bowl of music, and that's where pop culture kind of picks and chooses from. It was last year's Grammy Awards that uh, Max Martin got Producer of the Year. And if you don't follow music you just think it's irrelevant. But Max Martin has sold 155 million albums in his life. Like he's bigger than the Beatles, but he's a Swedish guy who writes music. And you talk like Justin Bieber, Ariana Grande, Pitbull, J-Lo, and the list goes on. Like even uh, like Taylor Swift, he wrote 10 of 13 songs on 1989. He wrote Lord's Royals. And so 
I, I challenge people just even on the basis of, you know, music and what we think is, you know, some guy or girl sitting down with a guitar and just writing. And we do have those people. And when you hear those people, you know them, right? You know profound music and it's, it's really challenging in its lyrics. And I don't think we ask that from our musicians. You know, Little Wayne, like I always say, there's that one song when uh, Nicki Minaj sings about women dying of starvations in dungeons and then Little Wayne kicks in about cocaine and sex. And nobody wants that. But the reality is both those musicians are so much better than that. If we think the best that Nikki can do is write a song about that, or if we think the best Little Wayne can do is write a song about drugs, you've never listened to all his music because in every album, he has about one or two songs that are profound, right? Challenging race and life and money and society. But we don't, that's not usually what pop culture sees. Those songs never get airplay on radio, right? It's the, it's the Anaconda by Nicki Minaj that we look at. Like no one 10 years from now will be saying like, that's the most profound song I've ever heard in my life. Like that just, it doesn't happen. So I kind of go to the root of why are we doing things? Why are we playing a video game? Why are we listening to that song? Or why are we going to a movie? And then we can begin to look at what we really want in movies or music or whatever, and then kind of come at it from that standpoint. Right. And what you just said there, I mean, would you say then that a, there's a lot of probably young adult Christians that are sort of just following pop culture kind of blindly then? I do. Especially with music, I think, I mean, I'm 44, so I've, I've watched the last few decades of music kind of roll through. The Christian secular divide is still a weird thing we have in our Christian world. You know, Christian music is good and secular music is bad, even though those things don't exist. Like, there's not a single verse in the Bible that says there's Christian and secular. And even in jobs, there's no sacred and secular work. We're, if we know Christ, we're all in sacred work, whether you work in a full-time church position or a parachurch, or you're working at a factory or a restaurant. It's all the same. And I say to parents all the time, when we teach our kids that Christian music is good, secular music is bad, we create just blind consumers. Not everything Christian is good. I mean, it's funny on Sunday morning when you're looking at lyrics of songs. I don't know if, if you're the same, but I've looked sometimes and gone, that's not true. <laughs> like, just because someone wrote it doesn't mean it's right. Most musicians aren't theologians. Or so sometimes you go, that's not right. And the idea that, quote unquote, secular music is evil. I got challenged twice last year and they were the funniest statements ever. One lady said to me, you can't tell me a single secular song, not one that's not evil. And I said, let's start with happy birthday. And she kind of like face went pale and she walked away. And then someone else said to me uh, the same thing. She said, I don't care what you say. I believe in Christian and secular. So I said, what's your favorite TV show? And she said, oh, I just love American Idol. You know, so in my home, the rule we use, and I stole this from Tony Campolo many, many years ago, is any music can come into my home as long as you can justify why it should come into our Christian home. If we're going to have a Christian home, and you can question what that means, but as Christians, we're going to try to live you know, that life. So, you know, my kids will come home and I got a daughter in grade eight and a son in grade seven. So, I mean, music's a daily thing for us. And we as a family own Apple Music. So, I mean, the whole iTunes is just theirs. And so every day, can I have this song? And I'm like, there's the computer. So my son will go and Google. And, you know, since he was about grade four, you'd hear him kind of go, oh, like, you know, he'd Google some song and I know what's going to be in it, but I want him to learn. Because the goal is before he's in grade 11 and 12, you're a young adult, even before you graduate high school, that you can make good decisions and good choices. 
So the other day he wanted Coldplay's um, Up and Up off their new album. So he said, can I have it? Like, I already knew it and I was listening to it earlier and I'm like, well, there's, you know, the computer. And a few minutes later, he's upstairs picking away at his guitar, playing Up and Up. And I'm, I like that. So I try to, I always say that we have three types of music, praise and worship music, which I think we need to challenge some of that. Like, why is it always soft rock? Like, seriously, there's no, I mean, you're in BC, I'm in Ontario. There are not soft rock channels that aren't called like the, you know, the oldies, right? Like that's, there are no soft rock bands today. That's not music. But from a missional standpoint, we're offering the world music that doesn't even exist in regular culture anymore. So I, I, I love the idea of, uh, you know, praise and worship. Then there's music that worships things of God, marriage, love, relationships, so like, look at a, a Matt Kearney, Christian guy living in the mainstream culture, but sings like I'll be in a restaurant or, uh, you know, a clothing store and I'll hear a song coming over the PA. And I really, really like that. Even on American Idol the other week, one of his songs, Ships in the Night, was being played, you know, during the show. And I love that. Right. It's a it's a Christian engaging the culture and right. And then being part of that, whereas our praise and worship stuff's really just for us as Christians. And then there's music that worships and, you know, I all music's worship music. So what is it worshiping? And there's sex and drugs and violence and those other things inside it. So since we're kind of talking about music, what is the danger then if we don't really kind of wake up to the reality that we need to actually think of the worldview of that song or that? Like, what's what's the danger to sort of blindly following for too long? I say in my media talk that there's a disconnect between who we are and who we say we are. But that disconnect, like even with the idea of Christian secular music, since the 90s, you're seeing a lot of bands in the mainstream culture. So how many times do I hear, you know, is Lecrae a Christian because he's singing in the mainstream culture? Or is Andy Minio or Switchfoot or some of these bands? But what we almost have done is swung the pendulum so far the other way that many of us who would say there's nothing wrong with listening to a Coldplay or, I mean, there's hundreds of other bands, but we also now listen to nothing that has Christ in it. And we've swung so far the other way that it's like, there's not anything in my life that actually, you know, and music's powerful. So I should also have some music in my life that somehow is is worshiping Christ and not just the things of God, like marriage and love and those things. But so it's almost like we've swung so far that the idea of praise and worship should be part of our lives as well. Right. So I guess the danger would just be you're not listening to uh, the worship of Christ, I guess, as much. Yeah. And you said, what's the danger of doing that over, like for years? It's just, I mean, if our goal is to be holy, you don't just walk down the street one day and you're like, hey, I'm holy. Like, that's not, that's not how it works. It's, if we're going to be Christians, it's daily strategic and intentional, meaning getting up every day and saying, God, today I give you me. Well, that's from a Lordship standpoint, that's not only my Sunday morning for two hours, it's my music, it's my sex life, it's my thought life, it's my money, my time my gifts, like, you know, it's all of those things. And so if we don't engage, then we just become disconnected. And I always, there's so many reasons and I don't know why we're disconnected. Like, is it, is it Canadian apathy where we just don't care? Do we, I mean, I love market village where he talks about the bars up here, but we sometimes think the bar is down here. You know, the challenge of we're supposed to be here. It's not just, you know, Eakin and we're the basic kind of things. Maybe we're functionally atheists where, we, we say we're Christian, but the truth is there's nothing Christian about us until we're in crisis. Suddenly you get in a car accident and you pray to Jesus, but you haven't talked to Jesus in weeks. So it just is more of a disconnect as Christians when we have nothing in our life that's Christian. 
there's no faith conversation as well. That was Brett Ullman. If you want to hear more about Brett, uh, head to brettullman.com. That's B-R-E-T-T-U-L-L-M-A-N.com. All the information he has on a variety of subjects from dating, mental health, sexuality, media, it's all going to be there. If you want to learn more about the charity he runs, uh, head to worldsapart.org slash stats. Uh, He's conducting a Canadian survey right now, so I encourage you to go and take it. It honestly just takes minutes. Well, that wraps up the Indoubt podcast show. To find out more about Indoubt and to listen to more podcasts, visit indoubt.ca. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We want to hear from you. So if you have any stories, if you have any comments on the show or whatever you want to share with us, uh, talk to us. That being said, I'm Isaac, and this is the Indoubt podcast. The Indoubt podcast is a part of Back to the Bible Canada's young adult ministry, Indoubt. All of Back to the Bible Canada's ministry programs and resources are created for the purpose of leading people forward in their walk with Jesus every day. For more information on all things Back to the Bible Canada, visit backtothebible.ca.